0: This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com.
1: Leah Vukmir had just started her first term as a Republican state senator when Governor Scott Walker introduced Act 10, and she had no idea what a wild ride she was in for or how long the fight would affect relationships between the two parties in the state capitol. But while the political fights were fierce, Vukmir says there's no doubt the policy has had a positive impact on the Wisconsin economy. I'm Jesse O'Poyan, and this is Wedge Issues, a Cap Times podcast about government and politics in Wisconsin. This is the fourth episode of our Act 10 anniversary series, hosted by Cap Times Politics Reporter Brianna Riley and education reporter Scott Gerrard. They talked to Leah Vukmir, who is now Vice President of State Affairs at the National Taxpayers Union, about her experiences 10 years ago and why she thinks it's so important for lawmakers to keep looking for ways to work across the aisle.
2: thanks so much for joining us today and being part of our Act 10 series. I think to kick us off, I want to set the scene a little bit. You know, you were elected to the Wisconsin Senate in 2010, an election that brought with it a historic Republican sweep of state legislatures. And as part of this red wave, Republicans in Wisconsin won the governor's office and control of both chambers. We often speak about elections as sort of a mandate from voters and constituents, especially recently. Following these strong results for Republicans in November 2010, did you and others in your party feel that you had a mandate going into this new legislative session?
3: Well, first of all, thank you, Scott. Thank you, Brianna, for having me on. I really appreciate this opportunity to take a walk down memory lane. Um, But absolutely, um, we definitely felt as though we um, had a mandate from voters. And, you know, I think that Democrats would have felt the same Were they ushered into the majority? You know, in many ways, I look at politics as sport, and the winner then is given the mantle to lead. So in many ways, once you're elected, you have to shift from politics and the political scene to actually enacting policy. And some people like one more than the other. Some people like both. Um, I, I, I was always one that liked the policy side more. That's what got me interested. So you can either sit back and coast, or you can actually follow through and deliver on the campaign promises that you made to the folks when you campaigned. So the governor and our majorities in both, house decided, both houses decided that's what we would do. We would lead and we would follow
0: through. And speaking of legislation, do you remember when you first heard Governor Walker's plans surrounding the legislation that would later become Act 10? And and what was your sort of reaction at the time you heard about it?
3: Oh, I definitely remember. I was a freshman, so it was very fresh in my memory. I had barely been sworn in for my first term. I had just defeated an incumbent first-term Democrat. That was a huge deal. And I was ready to roll up my sleeves get to work, kind of learn my way in in the Senate thinking, okay, it'll be a normal way. Well, it certainly wasn't normal. I can still see the caucus room where Governor Walker came in, in the Senate caucus, and he laid out his plans. A few people were squirming in their seats. I do remember that. Personally, I was excited that the governor was ready for bold action. I thought that, um, I thought he actually thought he was gonna lay out a plan for right to work. This obviously went well beyond that. Sort of getting back to that time,
2: did you anticipate then that the measure would receive the level of opposition that it did?
3: You know, I don't think anyone could have predicted the extent to which the unions would organize an opposition. But in retrospect, it was really the first time anyone had the nerve to propose anything as sweeping as this. Governor Walker really was the first governor to introduce this. And he, he campaigned on it as much as many people want to think that he didn't. There are certainly transcripts that we've looked at in the past where he alluded to the fact that he was going to do something like this. So he campaigned on it and won. Why would people be so opposed? In retrospect, um, I think that people just didn't believe he would follow through on it. And In many ways, uh, I look back on that time, it was almost like it was the original Occupy movement. So when you see how many protests we've had through the years since then and other capitals that were then going through something similar, you were really the test case.
0: And speaking of the movement in the Capitol, as a Republican senator, what was it like working in that building uh, during these weeks of protests? Are there any specific moments or votes that really stick out to you?
3: Well, it was chaotic. And I will admit it was frightening at times. You know, it was almost surreal. I mean, I could still see what it was like walking down the stairwells and having the yellow tape that, you know, people put up at a police line, uh, at a police scene. And that was separating us from the protesters just so we could get from the caucus room to our offices. We were ushered in and out of the building with um, you know, armed security through tunnels and pathways in the building that I didn't even know existed. The phones in our office were ringing off the hook. I had four staff people. I had a couple interns. We were all picking up the phone. We were hearing from people who supported what we were doing and we were getting angry calls from people who didn't support what we were doing. I had a death threat. Uh, others had death threats. Yes, it was a very credible death threat that I had to take seriously. That was very frightening. I, I worried about my children. I had a son in college down at Marquette University. I had a daughter living in an apartment in downtown Milwaukee working. And I basically told both of them, don't go near the house. <laughs> I felt like they were safer where they were on campus and uh, in, in her apartment in, in Milwaukee. So it was very scary. I worried about my staff Uh, and how would they be if somebody surged into their office? We had deputy sheriffs from our counties standing guard outside of our doors. So it just didn't seem like what I had anticipated when I ran for office in the assembly and certainly not what I thought would have happened when I got into the Senate. The building was reverberating. You had the sounds from within of people chanting the drums, and there was really no relief because when you looked outside the window, as far as your eye could see, there were there were people also chanting, so it was um, it was a rather remarkable time to say the least. yeah, lots
2: of vivid vivid memories there um, when I I guess on the politics side of it, one moment that I think still really does stand out is when Senate Democrats physically left the state to avoid a vote. While that has been done elsewhere, you know, the Act 10 fight was the first one in Wisconsin that led to that result. How surprising was that action for you at the time? And how did it change the politics of the Act 10 fight?
3: Well, it was rather surprising to me. Actually, I, I guess I would describe it as shocking because I couldn't fathom doing something like that. I remember saying to myself, how can people just walk away from their job? In this case, their constitutional duties. You know, we raise our hand, we take an oath to uphold the Constitution. I remember saying, who does that? Can people in the private sector walk away from their job, go into seclusion at an unknown location for three weeks and then come back and still expect to have their job? So it was rather jarring to me as someone who has been and had been in the minority. So I never would have considered that, doing anything like that when I was in the minority. You know, elections have their consequences. And even when you are in the minority, when you don't have the majority, you still vote for the majority of people that you represent, the the majority of people that elected you and that expect that you're going to be their voice. So in essence, by leaving, while they thought it was a statement, you know, I think that it was almost, um, well, I come from the the field of nursing, so we have medical malpractice. It was almost like legislative malpractice in my mind. And I, I still feel that way. I think it was wrong. And all these years later, I still believe it was wrong.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. And as you mentioned earlier, before joining the Senate, you had served in the the state assembly. So you were very familiar with the state of legislative politics uh, in Wisconsin prior to all that happened with Act 10. How was the fight over Act 10 markedly different from the debate over other sometimes contentious pieces of legislation uh, that had previously been enacted?
3: Well, as I mentioned, you know, I had been in both majority and minority, so I know what it feels like to be in both of those positions. And I have always respected the process. As I said to you before, I like the policy side more, and that policy gets enacted through a process, a time-honored process where you debate the merits of an issue in a hearing or on the floor. And and that's pretty much how things had gone. You, know, you speak out in favor or against a bill, even though you know what the final vote's going to be, even though you know it may be a fait accompli that a particular bill is going to fall on party lines. Now, not every you know bill did, but a lot of the hot ticket items always fell on party lines. But I do remember uh, one time that we were debating my bill that I had put forth to lift the cap on the Milwaukee Parental Choice Program. And uh, I uh, was given, uh, there must've been 30, 35 amendments that Democrat party threw at me during that time. So I had to manage this bill. As a fairly new member to the state assembly, I believe it was my second term in office. And it was a five plus hour ordeal. And um, the debate pretty much uh, continued for that amount of time. And the vote fell on party lines. And there's a memory that I have. It's very, I distinctly remember being tapped on the shoulder. And it was by a minority member, a freshman, actually. And he said to me, even though you didn't change my mind, and even though I voted for, against the bill, I just want to thank you for the way you handled this process. He said, this is exactly how I envisioned the process should unfold. You stuck to the merits of the issue. You didn't have personal attacks on other people. And, you know, and he thanked me and that really hit me. And I thought, well, that's, that's a great compliment. And one that I decided I was going to carry forward as I moved other pieces of legislation the interesting thing is that the tables were turned and I um, this particular individual eventually became a speaker uh, and I was in the minority and we always had a great working relationship and I think that that common shared goal for the process and love of the process for the process um, gave us a good working relationship. But I will have to say that sense of camaraderie vanished during Act 10. And it took a while for people to start trusting and sharing and working again across the aisle. I know I worked really hard at it. One of the senators who fled was texting me during the time they were in uh, Rockford and had hoped that we would be able to work together on bills uh, when they returned because we had worked on many bills together, both me being in, in the assembly, that individual being in the Senate, and then together in the Senate, we wanted to work together. We had always talked about that. So it did take a lot of time, I would say for sure, at least two years before things started to thaw a little bit and get a little bit easier. Um, but I don't think things have ever really come back to the way it was before Act 10. I'm not there now. I, I hope that people are working and striving. Do that. It was something that when incoming freshmen would come in, I would always sit down and talk with them and I would give them the advice that was given to me by a former state senator, a very dear friend of mine, Senator Ted Cannabis, who passed away. You may remember him. But Ted always said to me, He was, Leah, develop friendships with people on the other side of the aisle. It will make your work more enjoyable and it'll make you more effective as a legislator. And I really took that to heart. And I would try to pass that on to freshmen that I was given the opportunity to mentor. It's,
2: it's it's interesting to hear how the feelings of camaraderie might have changed. And, and it feels like did change. You know, we're very tangibly changed um, because of the Act 10 fight. I wonder if one thing that might have exacerbated it was the fact that it resulted in a series of recall elections quite quickly, you know, after the fact. Yeah, a dozen senators were targeted, so later was Governor Walker. How did those attempts contribute to the political environment then? And I guess years later, are you surprised that recalls haven't been, or become, more of a a regular fixture of Wisconsin politics?
3: Well, the recalls fueled the divide between the parties. It strengthened the resolve, though, of the Republicans and the Republican Party. I think because it was viewed as an attack on the process. I'm not surprised uh, it has not become a regular fixture. And I think that's, uh, I'm, that's a good thing. I'm glad. Recalls really should be reserved for truly egregious acts and actions while serving in office, not for differences in policy opinions and positions. You know, that's what elections are for. And I remember knocking on doors for Senator Alberta Darling during her recall. And people expressed that sentiment to us. And one person in particular, I remember saying, look, I didn't vote for her in the first time, but I don't think she should be voted out just because uh, she made this one vote for a piece of policy. And I heard that many occasions. So I think that that could be a reason why you don't see so many of them anymore.
0: You spoke a little bit about uh, you know the how long it took for that camaraderie to to return but on sort of a, a bigger picture look how would you say Act 10 both the legislation uh, and everything that happened in response to it have shaped Wisconsin politics in the decade since?
3: Well from a political perspective I think I've pretty much touched on that um, the, the extent to which animosity grew between the parties from a policy perspective there's no doubt that Act 10 had a positive impact on Wisconsin's economy. There are plenty of reports that you can read about it. Let's face it our our backs were up against the wall when we came in in 2011. The state was in a massive hole It's a 3.8 billion dollar budget deficit and so drastic measures really had to um, had to be taken in order to get out of this. And, and so I think when you look at what has happened since then, all told, it's been estimated that Act 10 saved taxpayers more than 8000000000 $8 to $12 billion, depending on the source that you read. It was an aha moment. That's kind of how I describe it, an aha moment for many people in the private sector who didn't really understand um, And had no idea that government was paying fully for benefits that they were chipping in to their employer to pay for, insurance, pensions. So for them, asking the public sector to chip in for those benefits seemed fair and it seemed reasonable. But there's no doubt in my mind that Act 10 put Wisconsin back on solid ground financially.
2: Thank you so, so much for, you know, really digging into the memory bank here and, and reflecting on something that happened more more than a decade ago now. Is there anything that we didn't give you a chance to talk about that you wanna make sure um, our listeners, you know, either recall about Act 10 or that you've been sort of thinking about as we've posed these questions to you?
3: Well, I hope people remember and, and think about, you know, it's, there's a reason we have differences of opinions I think that there is a way and a process to deal with those differences, and it is a time-honored process that um, dates back to the founders of our country. But certainly, as a state lawmaker, to the state of Wisconsin, to the founding of our state, and and I hope moving forward we never get to that point again. You know, you'd like to be able to see people debate issues, as I said earlier, on their merits, and. More than anything, I'd really like to see people working together across the aisle. And, you know, I alluded to this earlier. These um, types of bills are in the minority, okay? When you look at any governor, Republican or Democrat governor, during their tenure in a given session, upwards to 90, 95, if not more percent of the bills are are Uh, signed onto by and voted for in a bipartisan manner and it's unfortunate that you know you can't see that with all things but this is obviously an issue that fell on party lines it did make a difference for our state it did get us out of the difficult financial state that we were in and I hope that people will look at the positives that came out of that and try to bridge the animosities and move forward as a state That's our motto. Forward. Oh, Wisconsin. Oh,
1: Wisconsin. Thank you for listening to Wedge Issues. Our theme music is Oh, Wisconsin by Loxley. Watch for the rest of our Act 10 series coming out over the next few weeks. This series was reported by Brianna Riley and Scott Gerrard and produced by me, Jessica O'Poyan. To read more Act 10 coverage or to get in touch with us, go to captimes.com.